That knows who's the most We back, man, episode 2 Season 3, you already know how it be We back talking hoops, man You know, I gotta give you my hoops insights A lot of basketball to talk about You know, the NBA I know a lot of people don't really like to hear me talk about the NBA But it's still basketball But we still have some concerning topics Regarding the NBA that we gotta talk about So we're gonna talk about that this week We're gonna talk uh, college hoops Is it time to call them the new bloods? What's up with the blue bloods? The Kentuckys, the Kansas, the North Carolinas They not in your top 5, 10 teams anymore So we're gonna talk about that And I'm gonna give you my State of the Union High School Hoops Part 2 This In my Part 2, I'm gonna give you my solution Everyone, Everybody wants to talk about the season Let the kids play People advocating for their student athletes to play basketball I'm with you But I'm gonna offer my solution But you already know what it is It's your coach that knows who's the most and I got to start off with the best league in basketball, the NBA. The Brooklyn Big Three is here. It's here, man. Kyrie, KD, James Harden are putting on a show. Now, they struggled. Now, the one thing I didn't like about the Brooklyn Big Three, and that's what I'm going to call them. I'm going to call them the Brooklyn Big Three. Uh, big ups to Big Papa, baby. Uh, the thing about the Big Three is that they started out slow. Uh, you know, KD missed a game in there. James Harden missed a game in there. And they couldn't beat the Cavs. I was kind of critical because I'm like, look, you got these three big-time scores. You can't beat the Cavs. You got to be able to beat the Cavs, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But Colin Sexton is a different type of dog, and he was dragging Kyrie Irving for a couple nights. He was dragging Kyrie. Kyrie took about a week or so off, contract chasing and just getting his mind right. And then Colin Sexton went into that locker room. It's like, dog, you got a long night ahead of you. That's what KD said. He said he came in the locker room, said, dog, lace him up. You got a long night. And he was dragging them for two nights straight. So they struggled against the Cavs. Uh, so they're starting to find some momentum and winning some games. And, I mean, they're one of the top five teams in the East right now. I mean, the East, like I said in our last podcast, last episode, you don't know who the best team in the East is right now. You just don't know. And to say Brooklyn is going right to the finals, I mean, that's that's everybody's favorite pick. I mean, even on, you know, FanDuel Sportsbook and things of that sort, they already got odds of the Brooklyn Nets making the NBA championship. Let's let it play out. Let's let it play out. Uh, Let's see if they can really be the best team in the East. But right now, the top team with the best record is the Philadelphia 76ers. And nobody talking about Joel Embiid being one of the top bigs in the league this season. Embiid's been really quiet, but he's been really effective. Him and Ben Simmons... And not even Ben Simmons, because Ben Simmons, his 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 lines are okay. I mean, they not Joel Embiid has been balling. Let's just let's just call it a spade. Joel Embiid has been balling. Ben Simmons has been okay. Uh, but the Philadelphia 76ers have been playing some really good basketball as of late. They have the best record in the East, and that's gonna fluctuate. It's gonna fluctuate all season. It's gonna be Philly one week. Next week it's gonna be Boston. The next week, you know, Brooklyn might itch up in there. Next four or five games. You just don't know. Um, but Miami, what's up with Miami? What's going down in uh, South Beach, man? What's going on? I mean, Jimmy Butler's only played six games this season. They're 6-10. and 10. Right now, they're the 13th seed. So what's going on in, in South uh, Beach, man? Is, is it time for concern for Miami? I don't think it's time for concern. I mean, you had Big Bam put 41 on, on Brooklyn Nets the other night. So that was big, even though they didn't win. 
But Miami, they're struggling a bit. They're struggling a bit. And I mean, they're six and 10 right now. I don't think it's time for concern, but they need to find a way to get Jimmy Butler back on that floor because they're a different team without Jimmy Butler. They're a different team without Jimmy Butler. When Jimmy Butler and Bam and those guys are going at it, uh, they're a different team. And we need to get Jimmy Butler on the floor uh, or they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle in the East all year without without Jimmy Butler, their, their leader. So that's the East, man. Um, not a whole lot of talk about, about the East. The East is just a... A smorgasbord of teams of, you know, who's going to be one through six. You can juggle up one through six. You know, a boss is still playing well, but they don't have the depth to win five, six, seven, eight games in a row. They just don't have a depth like that. I mean, Jalen Brown is really good. And Jason Tatum, though, that's the best tandem in the, in the NBA right now. They just don't have a depth to go run off six, seven, eight games in a row. They just don't. That's why Philadelphia 76ers are at the top of the East. But the East is a toss up, man. It really is. It really is. Everybody wants to give it to Brooklyn, and they easily can because they got two, three of the most dynamic scores we've seen. I mean, you got three guys that give you 75 points a game. That is not normal. And when, when you talk about the Brooklyn big three, somebody's going to have to take a big take, take a seat. Somebody's going to have to take a step back, and I think it's going to be James Harden. I think James Harden is going to be the one to say, you know what? Instead of me dominating the ball all the time, I'm going to have to give it up and give it to KD. I'm going to have to give it up and give it to Kyrie. I'm going to have to get a few more rebounds. I'm going to have to get a few more assists. My stat line might be 22-11-9. He might be looking at the triple-double type of stat line where Kyrie can give you 27-28 and KD is having 30 points a game. Here's what KD learned from the Golden State experience. I don't need a whole lot of shots to score a lot of points. I don't need 30 shots. Right now, he's shooting 50% from the field. He's shooting 50% from the floor. He's shooting 45% from three, and he's averaging 30 points per game. That's sounding like those MVP numbers. KD is putting up MVP numbers. So we're going to talk about the MVP a little bit because right now it's either KD or LeBron. But he's putting up MVP numbers, and he doesn't have to take a whole lot of shots because he's shooting 50% from the field, and he's shooting 45 from three. That's the thing he learned from Golden State. He learned from Golden State if you're effective, if you're shooting a high-level uh, amount of shots and making shots from three, you don't need 20 shots. If you're shooting 15%, 50% from the floor, you can take 17, 18 shots per game and still get 29, 30 points. And that's exactly what he's doing. He ain't shooting the ball 30 times. He can't. He's playing with Kyrie and James Harden. It ain't, it ain't 25 shots for KD. Now, when he get rolling, they might just give it to him like, hey, dog, go for 80. Go for 70. You're going to have a, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now, episode two of season three, KD will score 70 this season. I don't know when. I don't know if it'll be this week. Next month, he will score 70 points this season. Book it. He want to know how he's going to score 70. He's going to be rolling. He's going to have that night. We're going to get about 25, 30 shots and everything going in. Everything is going in. And he's going to score 70. So just book it. You know where you heard it first. Uh, but when you talk about the West, it's a different story. The West the Lakers still chilling, man. They 14 and 4. They got the best, the best record in basketball and the best play. LeBron James at 36 years old is averaging 25, 6, and 25, 8, and 7 a game. Those are pretty good numbers for the best team in the NBA. And right now, you, you can have a case for LeBron being the MVP, best player on the best team. Best player on the best team. Right now, it's a two-man race for MVP. Forget Luca. Uh Joel and B, maybe 2B. Uh, but right now, it's LeBron and KD. KD is averaging 30, fresh off a, a torn Achilles. Not really fresh off. He took a year off. I mean, that year, he, he needed that year to come back 
at the way that he's playing right now, 30 a game is, is not easy to do. But LeBron, I mean, he put 43 on Cleveland. He went back home was like, oh, I know these rims. I'm real comfortable in this gym. And, I mean, he was hitting fadeaway threes. I mean, oh, my goodness. LeBron just went crazy on Cleveland. Like, why he had to do the Cavs like that? Well, ain't no fans. And then one like he had to do it because the fans was at the game. Actually, it was a, a fair amount of fans at the game. So the King came back to Cleveland and was like, dog, this is my house. I built this. I built this. Take this 43 with you. Um, some other things I want to talk about, uh, NBA, uh, Paul George and Kawhi, man, you, you can see their value in the regular season. They are not putting, the Clippers aren't putting any value in a regular season. Paul, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard taking what? Nine games off or something like that. Six to nine games off. Like who does that? Like, apparently they just like, we don't care about the regular season. That's what the Clippers are doing right now. They don't care. If you are able to sit your top two players and it's not because of COVID tracing, for six games, you're telling me right now you don't care about the regular season. You don't care. And they feel that they can take these games off and they can still fin finish top in the West. And chances are they probably could. I mean, they have some really good depth on that team. I don't they think they have enough depth to take six, seven, eight games off and still win five out of seven, four out of seven. They, they're going to struggle. I mean, uh, Atlanta Hawks beat them and basically Trey Young went for 36 and it was like, yeah, y'all ain't got enough to be competing at high level like that. So uh, we're going to watch the Clippers, but the Clippers are basically telling you they don't care about the regular season. We're going to take games off for load management, and we're going to finish what we finish, and then we're going to go from there. Now, the Lakers are still rolling. Uh, LeBron and AD, uh, they, they still doing what they got to do. So, I mean, right now it looks like the Lakers and everybody else. It really looks like the Lakers can have a very good chance to repeat, and we haven't had a repeat champion since Golden State. But the finals that everybody wants to see is the Lakers and the Nets. We want to see it. We want to see LeBron go against KD again. We want to see AD go against James Harden and Kyrie. And what's that going to bring? We want to see it right now. We want to see it. Right now, we want to see the Lakers and the Nets in the NBA championship. We do. You don't want to see the Lakers play anybody else in the East. Let's just be honest. Let's be honest. The Lakers played the Heat in the, in the finals. And the Heat, you know, they gave a nice little nudge. But... You know, nobody really talking about the Greek Freak and the Bucks. They like, ah, ever since the big three got Kyrie and, and James Harden and KD, they like, ah, we don't really care about the Greek Freak. So the, freak, the Greek Freak is going to have to figure something out because I've said on this podcast before, his days in Milwaukee are numbered, are numbered. They not going to let a guy at the peak of his career just sit and rot in Milwaukee. And be a top two, three, four, five team in the East. That's not gonna happen. And who's ever, whoever's representing uh Giannis is gonna get him. They not they might not request a trade, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see Giannis somewhere else because it doesn't look like they're as a dominant team as they were before. Um last season, teams have gotten better in the East, but they're just like, ah, they're another good team. They're another good team. But they the first game, the big the Brooklyn big three. Guess what team they beat? The Bucs. And that's probably what you're going to see in the Eastern Conference Final. That's if the Bucs get by Boston. So, like, seeding is going to be very important in the East because in the West beating the Lakers in four games. I know. I don't see Denver doing it. I don't see Utah doing it. Dallas ain't doing it. There's not a team in the West that could beat the, the Los Angeles Lakers four games in a seven-game series. Yeah, there isn't. So just, just book L.A. in the finals. And it's probably going to be Brooklyn. It's going to either be Brooklyn 
And they probably going to have to beat the Sixers or beat Boston to get there, which is not going to be a big route. So that's my NBA take, man. I know y'all don't really like talk, me talking about the NBA, but it's, it's still basketball. You already know what it is. It's your coach that knows hoops the most, and we're going to keep this thing rolling. You already know what it is, man. I got to talk college hoops. I got to talk about Division One, Division Two. Going to start mixing in some small college basketball, some JUCO, um, even though uh, some of these teams haven't started playing yet. Like JUCO is going to start in the first week of February. They're starting up next week. Uh, the GLIAC, they've played seven or eight games so far, seven games, I, I assume. And the Division One has been rolling. So let's talk about uh, the Michigan Wolverines. The Michigan Wolverines are currently ranked number four um, in the latest AP poll that came out. But the thing that's going to hurt Michigan is they're on a two-week pause. They're on a two-week pause. Uh, for the university for contact tracing, the new strand of COVID-19 is on campus. So they paused all athletic activities at University of Michigan. So what does that say going forward? Like, what is Michigan going to do? Now, they had to pause their season, but they're rolling, man. I mean, they are 13-1. and one, They're 8-1 and one in the Big Ten and first in the Big Ten. And it's kind of like, all right, well, if you got a team that's playing so well, what's going to happen when you take two weeks off? And we're going to really find out about the Michigan Wolverines after this pause if they have to do the whole pause, I mean, I would like to see Michigan resume as soon as they could, but their next game isn't until February 11th. That's a full two weeks off. And if you know, like I know, I mean, a team that's rolling like that, taking two weeks off, that's not easy to recover from. And I, was, I wasn't I was critical of Michigan, but I told you that their season is going to rest upon how they do in the big games. And you saw what they did. They beat Purdue. They beat Minnesota, and then they came back and lost to Minnesota a couple weeks later. And it was kind of a little bit of a humble pie. Uh, they, they had them all the way ranked, I think, number two in the country under Gonzaga, two or three. And then Minnesota just, just you know, took them to town. And that's the Big Ten, man. It's hard to dominate in the Big Ten because, I mean, 11 out of the 12 teams can beat you. The only team that probably has no business beating you is Nebraska. I mean, other than Nebraska, Rutgers, Rutgers they, they were ranked at one time. They still might be ranked. But, I mean, anybody else in the Big Ten can beat you on any given night. And that's exactly what Minnesota did. Minnesota went in and they, they beat Michigan. And they beat them up pretty bad. But the thing about it, how do you respond? You know, I had a, a conversation with one of my players here in the last week or so. It's like, okay, the coach get on you. How do you respond? That's what I want to see. I want to see how you respond. I don't want to see what happened before. Okay, cool. You made a mistake. You was late to practice. You don't have your shoes tied. You missed the line. Whatever. How do you respond going forward? And I wanted to see how did Michigan respond after losing to Minnesota. And they came right back and they beat Purdue and then they beat Illinois. So it's like, okay, I think, oh no, I'm sorry, they didn't beat Illinois. They beat Maryland. They got Illinois coming up. That's going to be their next game. But Michigan is legit, man. Michigan is legit. And let's just find out what happens to Michigan when they add all these recruits. Somebody might have to move over. All right. Something's going to have to shake. Somebody going to have to go to the league. Something's going to have to shake because, I mean, they're going to be loaded. I mean, Michigan is going to be a new blood. We're going to talk about this term, new blood, that I got from uh, Rashad Phillips and, and his camp. You know, they call them new bloods. His, their draft coverage. I like to give respect to where it's due. I didn't create this term. I'll let you know not now. I did not create it. I ain't just using it, but I like it. The new bloods. We'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, but... To round out the, the rest of the AP Top 10 this week, you got Gonzaga, Baylor, Villanova, Michigan, Texas. Now, we talked about Texas earlier. This is probably Shaka Smart's best team. That backcourt they got in Texas is really good. They should be one or two in the Big 12 
Um, they should be in a Big 12 championship game, probably playing against Baylor, Oregon. I mean, probably playing against Baylor. But the Big 12 is, is a tough conference because Texas Tech is in there too. Uh, at six, you got Houston. Iowa's at seven. Virginia's at eight. Alabama is at nine. Now, the thing about Alabama is their head coach, Nate Oates, deserves a lot of credit for what he's doing in Alabama. So not only is he winning games, he's getting high-level players to the NBA. He's having all SEC type of players. They go into Kentucky and beat Kentucky. I mean, they are having an outstanding season. Alabama, number ninth in the country, Nate Oates. Used to be the head coach at Romulus High School. He won a state championship at Romulus High School. Had some great collection of talent. And he gets a Buffalo job. Now, he didn't go to Buffalo as the head coach. So let's let's understand the grind a little bit. He goes from high school. He's the assistant coach at Buffalo for two years. And all of a sudden, as an assistant, Buffalo is the top team in the MAC. And they win the MAC. And they go to the NCAA tournament. And then Hurley gets another job. So Hurley gets another job. Guess who he leads the jobs to? He lives at the Nate Oates, and they continue that success. So Nate Oates builds Buffalo back up, so he keeps the ball rolling, and Buffalo is winning the MAC again. Now they're consistently winning the MAC with Nate Oates, and then Nate Oates is a hot coach name in the in the game now. And he goes from Buffalo to Alabama, which at the time people was like, "Man, that's a big jump to go from the MAC to the SEC." But I had this conversation with one of my uh, coaching friends, and it's like, you know, why would you coach in the SEC at a football school? And, you know, my rebuttal was, why not? Why not? I mean, you would think that there, there are players now, football players, that will go to Kentucky when Kentucky is a basketball school. And Kentucky is always known as a basketball school. But now that big blue network is transferred a little bit over to football. And you start seeing football guys from Kentucky getting drafted in the NFL. And their culture changes. The same thing is happening in Alabama. We've seen it right in front of our eyes. We see it right in front of our eyes. Alabama's a football school. I get it. But what Nate Oates is doing is letting you know, look, you can be a football school and be very successful in basketball. It can happen. Ohio State has done it. They've won national championships in basketball and football. It can be done. Florida, look what they did. They won a national championship in football and basketball. So it can be done. And I think that's what's happening in Alabama. And to say that, okay, well, he's going to take his take this job and just go somewhere else. Where else he going to go? He going to go to Kentucky? You going you going to go to Duke? I think what he's going to do is develop what he's doing there in Alabama the same way that Cal developed at at Memphis or uh UMass or wherever he's been and coach K at Duke and turn him into a national powerhouse. Cuz if you could be a national powerhouse from the SEC, that's that's different type of level right there. We talking about the new bloods, right? In the AP top 10, Alabama's ranked ninth in the country. Number 10 in the country is Texas Tech. A lot of these teams are new bloods. And you want to know why? In the last Final Four, you got four teams that's in the Final Four. That's why it's called Final Four. Well, in the last four Final Fours, talking all the way back to 2016, you could go back to 20, um, 2015. So last 20. So out of the 20 contestants that could be in the five four, eight of them, so eight out of 20 are new bloods. Gonzaga has been there. Now, we just talked with just the top 10 teams that I just named you. Gonzaga has been there twice. Villanova has been there twice and won a national championship. Michigan has been there once. Virginia has been there once and won a national championship. And Texas Tech has also been there once. You want to know how many times Kentucky and Duke have been there in the last five years? I'll wait. Just twice. And that was in the same 
Final Four in 2015. So if you go in the last five, the last four Final Fours, no Duke, no Kentucky. If you go last five, yeah, they were in it, but they were in it playing in it together. Both of them in 2015. So what does that tell you? That tells you that the raid is over. The, the, the torch has been passed. The Coach Cal era at Kentucky is it might be over. It might be over for Cal and Kentucky. You might see Coach Cal try to make a jump for the NBA. Because I know he just ain't about to keep letting Alabama come into Kentucky and beat them in Rep Arena. He ain't he ain't going for that. So he, Coach Cal is going to do one or two things. He's probably going to either go around and, and try to get the best collection of players that's already in college, not high school guys. He ain't messing with them five stars no more. He ain't messing with them. He ain't messing with them. He's like, you know what? I mean, these young guys, these young five stars, they're cool and all that, but they still 18, 19. We losing the guys that's 22, 23 years old. I might need to switch it up. They already got the, the transfer from West Virginia coming in, and that's not going to be the only one. He's going to be looking around, and he's going to say, huh, let me see if this Ohio point guard would like to transfer over to Kentucky. See if he could do that in Kentucky. Let's see if this guy over here that's playing at Dayton, see if he'd like to play another year at Kentucky. Right? So that's that's he's either going to do that or he's going to jump for the NBA. And when he jumps for the NBA, don't be surprised. If you see him try to make a move for Bradley Bill and then try to get DeMarcus Cousins or try to get Devin Booker to be on the same team. He's got enough pull. He's got enough guys in the NBA where he can pull from his guys, the Bledsoe's of the world, and he can put a roster together of some guys that played at Kentucky. I'm telling you, if Calipari gets a job in the NBA, Devin Booker is in play. And he's going to try to, him and World Wide West are going to try to make that happen. Hey, hey, listen here. I need Devin Booker on my roster, wherever he is, whether it's Orlando, whether it's, I don't know. I don't have inside intel to tell you where Coach Cal might go. But I'm telling you right now, if he gets an NBA job, oh, buddy, it's going to be some shifting and moving going around. I can see Coach Cal making a jump for the NBA now, kind of like Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens has had, he's settled into Boston to be the guy there, to be the coach for the Celtics. He's no longer attached to Butler. And I think Coach Cal wants to do the same thing. I think he wants to get back to the NBA, get attached to an NBA franchise, so you don't just attach him to Kentucky. See, at Kentucky, it was all about him coaching the best players in the country, having four or five all five stars on one team. But that's not the case anymore. He's only getting one or two. And then the other one or two is going to Kentucky. Then another one is going to Gonzaga. Then another one is going to Baylor. Then another one is going to Texas Tech. Then, then you're looking around like, hold on. Like if you put Matt McClung and uh, Jalen Johnson, that's at Duke, and uh, Suggs, that's at uh, Baylor, not Baylor, at Gonzaga, and Kay Cunningham, that's at Oklahoma State on one team. Yeah, they're going to be the best team in the country. But if you split all four of them up, and then you look like, man, Gonzaga's really good. Well, yeah, Suggs, one of, one or two best players in the country. Right? You put Suggs with Cunningham with, man, come on. See, that's what's happening with Kentucky. He's normally He normally gets all of them guys on one team. Him and Duke. Now, Duke only got one. They just got Jalen Johnson. And you see, Duke is struggling. So these guys, they not enamored to go to Coach Cal. And they going wherever. They going wherever they want to go. Now, am I saying they going to the highest bidder? Maybe or maybe not. I ain't in the game like that to, to be like if guys are taking bags or not. But you know, like I know, these guys playing for free, but they not. 
They not, you know. So, you know, some some things get exchanged and things of that sort. But when I'm telling you like this, the Coach Cal and Coach K era of, of hoarding all of the five stars, that era is done and over. It's done and over. The five-star players are not just sitting at Kentucky and Duke. Watch what Jaden Hardy does. Watch what Jaden Hardy does and Chet Holmgren. I, I'm willing to bet neither one of them go to Duke or Kentucky. Willing to bet. It'll either be G League where they could get paid. And I want to see what the G League does here coming forward, where they'll get paid. I don't think they'll go overseas. Uh, but if they do go to college, I don't see either one of them going to Deacon, Kentucky. I can see Chet Holmgren going to Gonzaga. And I can see Jaden Harden going somewhere, I don't know, uh, maybe like Arizona, somewhere out west, UCLA, USC, and just carving his own lane and still making it to the NBA. So I think the era – of the blue bloods is over. It's all about the new bloods, the Gonzagas, the Villanovas, Michigan, Texas, Texas Tech, Villanova. These are the new bloods. Florida State, guys that are uh, coaches and programs that are, are successful every year, they're getting the guys to the next level, to the NBA, and they're not just going to Kansas, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Duke. They're going other places. So the era of new bloods is over. It's all about an era of the blue bloods is over. It's all about the new blood. So it's your coach that knows who's the most. And you know, when I talk about college basketball, when you tune into my podcast, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk about different levels of basketball. I always like talking about the GLIAC because outside of a tweet here and there, nobody talks about the GLIAC. And I played the GLIAC, I coached in the GLIAC, some of the best coach. Uh, most best collection of talent and coaches in the country at the Division II level is located in the GLIAC. So I like to talk about it. I would like to talk about the MAC more, but the MAC Michigan schools are terrible. There's nothing to talk about. They're terrible. And until they change their recruiting tactics, I'm not talking about the MAC Michigan schools. I'm not. I'm not talking about Eastern, Western, Central. I'm not going to talk about them because they're terrible. They're bad. And they don't have Michigan players. So we've already had that take. You need to switch your recruiting up. Switch your recruiting up, get you some Michigan players on your roster, and get best believe I'll talk about your teams because you're, you'll, you'll win. You'll win with Michigan players. You got some Michigan players on the market now. Where are they going to go? Where's Lamar Norman going? He's a transfer in the transfer pool. Where is he going? I, I would like to know. Marquise Hastings. He's in the transfer portal. Where is he going? Talking about two Michigan guys that went out of state. Hastings with the Butler. Lamar Norman went to Duquesne. Where are these guys going to go? So I'm going to tell you right now, if they come somewhere back in Michigan, wherever they go, that, that team is going to be resurrected. I'm telling you right now, if Lamar Norman and Marquise Hastings end up on the same roster next season, that team will be top three in the MAC. Because, I mean, they got to come home to a MAC school. They're not going to come back and play in the GLIAC. I mean, they ain't doing that. I mean, you're not going to see them at Ferris. I mean, you would, uh, Brock might think he could get both of them, but. They could both start at Western Michigan right now, and they could be a top four team with those two guys right now in the MAC. But we're going to table that for later because they haven't officially made the terms of where they're going. They're just in the transfer portal. But it's going to be plenty of guys that's in the portal want to get back home. So get these Michigan guys on your roster so I can start talking about your teams. But I'm talking about the GLIAC. GLIAC, man. Uh, standings. So let's talk about the GLIAC standings. We had games last night, yesterday. Uh, so the standings changed a little bit. Michigan Tech is is putting their foot down, and and Dawson Bilski is basically saying, "Hey, I'm a thousand point scorer too, shooting 45 percent from three. You better watch out." Number 24 left wing is all it's money. 
Don't let him shoot. It's going in. I'll tell you right now, it's going in. If you're playing Michigan Tech and you're playing Bilski and he has open three on the left wing, particularly left wing, it's cash money records for the 99-2000. That's what I'm just telling you. It is what it is. Michigan Tech is the number one team in the GLIAC right now. And I wasn't saying that two weeks ago. We were talking about Grand Valley. Grand Valley has took a couple losses here. All right, so you got Michigan Tech at 6-1. and one. All right, they've won five straight. Then right underneath them, you've got five teams at four and three. Grand Valley, Northwood, Parkside, Wayne State, and Ashland. And these teams have been battling, right? Wayne State just beats Ashland. Northwood, you know, they come away and they split with Grand Valley. And, you know, they go in and they split with Wayne State. These five teams are battling. And there's a lot of Michigan guys on all of these rosters, a lot of Michigan guys. So that's what I'm saying. Like the reason why the here's the real reason why the Mac schools are underperforming because you got a lot of guys that can play in the Mac and the GLIAC. I'm just telling you how it is. You got a lot of Mac level talent in the GLIAC. Now, is Jack Ammerman for Northwood? Can he play for Central Michigan? Probably. I take him over Matt Belcher. I mean, you talk about a guy that can shoot 40% of stuff from three. Now, was he uh Fresh out of high school, able to recruit it as a Division I athlete? Probably not. Probably should be playing the GLIAC. But what I'm telling you is this. De'Aaron Owens-White that's at Wayne State should easily be at Central or Western. Easily. Braylon Neely, he was at Oakland and had to transfer because of some things to Wayne State. So what I'm telling you is there are players in the, in the GLIAC conference that should and can, could play in the MAC. They could. And they should have been in the MAC, but... They just went under-recruited, and the schools didn't want them. So now the, the GLIAC has all these talented players, and these teams are going at it, right? Now, outside of the five and teams that are four and three, then you got four teams at three and four, Lake State, Northern Michigan, Purdue Northwest, and Ferris. Now, I told you all, for Ferris to be really effective this year, Kelser got to go for 30. Kelser got to go for 30 because they've gotten guys that can play, but they don't have the talent level that they had three, four years ago. They got they got talented guys, but they don't have three Walter Kelsers. See, they used to have three Walter Kelsers. Now they only got one. So Kelser got to get 30 a game for them to win. If he gets 25, it probably it'll be a one possession game. Be a one possession game. And if we were talking about Grand Valley. Grand Valley took a couple lumps. Once you, here's the thing about the Gleak. Once you get ranked in the country, everybody got the target on you. I didn't been there before. Well, we were number one in the country at a school I used to coach at. It was now the bottom of the GLIAC. There was a time we was number one in the country. So that means everybody gunning for you. Them games are tough because they know everything that you're going to do. They scout for you a little bit better, more, when they're playing you than they do with somebody else. If you're supposed to play, you know, two schools, they, they're going to focus on you. And then the other schools, all right, well, we're going to get to that scout after we play this game. Or we're going to focus on this scout first. So the Grand Valley scout, man, Jake Van Tubergen, man, it's teams. They, I ain't on him that we got to stop him. We got, they just, they, they're on you. You know, everything that you're going to do, everything about your personnel. So you have to be very, very effective to be ranked in the country and still go out and beat some good teams. These are very good teams in the GLIAC. And these teams are going to be battling all season long. And that's why I like to talk about, I like, I like Chris Rollins going for 25 and four on, on uh grand Valley. I like that. I like to see that. I like Antonio Marshall getting the steal on the, on the fast break and just banging it on Ashton as they beat Ashton 58, 50 yesterday. I like that. Antonio Marshall was a kid out of Detroit King that a lot of people didn't recruit. 
Six five, long, athletic. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you recruit a guy like that? Like, why wouldn't you? But he went went under recruited. Goes to Wayne State and Wayne State. They've got a collection of athletic guys right now. They're sitting at four and three. But I'm gonna tell you right now, that's a team you don't want to play. You do not want to play Wayne State. They are playing some high level basketball along with some other guys in the GLIAC. Um, the last two teams in GLIAC, Davenport and that one school I used to coach at, they're two and five. Last two teams, worst two teams in the GLIAC. Um, and it's not even about talent. They just haven't been able to win games. So you had a couple big wins this week. Uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, Wayne State beats Aston 58 to 50. Aston is one of those teams where it's like if you catch them rolling at the right time, they're a tough team, but they don't have a whole lot of depth. So outside of their starting five, you know, um, they might struggle a bit. You hit a couple guys that haven't filed trouble, not making shots. You can beat them. But if they're rolling, they're tough to beat. That's a tough game. Every time you play Aston, that's going to be a tough game. You had Davenport. Davenport with a huge 73-70 win over Grand Valley at Grand Valley. And maybe it's a little bit of humble pie for Grand Valley. Maybe it's time for some of those guys on that roster to be like, all right, okay, cool. We're not ranked no more. We lost a couple games. Let's get back to our winning ways to take over this league. Because right now, the league is looking at them like, yeah, yeah, all right, you ain't about to dominate now. You ain't about to just roll through and beat everybody. And that's what we're seeing in the GLIAC. We're seeing a lot of guys, a lot of teams just going back, splitting games. And you don't see a whole lot of sweeps. You get a few sweeps, but you don't see a whole lot of them from the teams that's in the thick of it. The teams at the bottom, yeah, you might get sweeped or sweep some bad teams. But the teams in the thick of it, they're going at it. So... That's just my take on the GLIAC. And you already know what it is, man. It's your coach that knows who's the most. And I know this is the part of the podcast that you've been waiting for. I know a lot of you high school coaches want to go right to my state of the union. And you're going to get it right now. So it's your coach that knows who's the most. And it's my state of the union for high school basketball. On this day, January 27th, six days after my 40th birthday. Happy birthday to Coach Cam. Yeah, you know how like people talking to third person? Yeah, you know. I had to stop liking my posts on Facebook because people wishing me happy birthday. And it was like a week ago. See people? Anyway, but this is my State of the Union. And I did it last episode where I had an unpopular take about high school sports and about where it should go. And what I'm noticing this week about the let them play movement, you've got a lot of upset parents, a lot of upset coaches administrators, ADs, a lot of people from the MS are mad at the MHSAA and Governor Whitmer. They are upset. They are to wits in about what's happening with high school basketball. You open up the bars, the restaurants, the movies, the bowling alleys, but you tell the basketball teams and the contact sport, I don't say sports, the contact sport, because you allow football to, to pause still. Like, ah, oh, nah, y'all just, just relax. Y'all can't play until the 21st. And a lot of coaches did not like that. They did not like seeing the final football teams playing at Ford Field indoors. And basketball can't be played. And football players got 50-something players per team. So talking about 100 players, when in any given night, you got maybe 30 players on the team. Two teams. You're talking about 100 for football. Not And not even mentioning coaches. So there are a lot of upset people at the MHSAA, at Mark Ewell in particular. And come to find out, he's got a son that plays football. So 
of course you he would want his son to continue his season, right? I wonder who he plays football for. See, some of y'all got to do a little bit more information. You want to know who he plays football for? He plays football at DeWitt. You want to know who won their first state championship? DeWitt. You think that's coincidence? You think it's coincidence that volleyball had to finish their season and Governor Whitmer's daughter plays volleyball? You, do you think, these, are these just coincidences or is it deliberate? Because best believe if Mark Yules, who's the president or CEO, whatever you call it, of the MHSAA, if his son played basketball, they wouldn't be pausing until February 21st. Because it's personal. I want my son to play. And a lot of people, a lot of coaches, like I said, they want their kids, their student athletes to play. And at this moment, where I'm at with it right now, I ain't mad at them. Not mad at them. At some point, something had to happen for people to put their foot down and put the MHSAA on standby. Like, this ain't right. What you're doing to these students ain't right. Student athletes, it's not right. But this ain't been the first time, y'all. I'm just glad that it's not happened to little Ricky that goes to Detroit Persian. Because if it was just the Detroit teams, well, y'all could care less. Oh, yeah, whatever. But since it's everybody, since it's little Robert that goes to, you know, Grand Rapids Catholic Central, since it's affecting those players, now it's a problem. Now it's a problem. But it wasn't a problem when all the Detroit schools got to play each other to get to a regional. Right? It wasn't a problem. The MSSAA, it wasn't a problem then when you had your best teams all playing in the same district. Wasn't a problem then. It's not a problem to seed the whole tournament like you do football. Football, everybody, and this was the first year, everybody made the football playoffs. So a lot of people were upset at the MSSAA, and they had every right to be. They had every right to be upset at the MSSAA. Stop being mad at Governor Whitmer. She set the rules, and hey, it is what it is. It is what it is, man. You ain't got to go to Lansing. And do all of that. If you do, you might get a week or two um, to, to come back. But here, here's what I'm going to tell you. The MSSAA, like I've said here on this podcast, they've been doing this for far too long. It's not just this season. They've been doing this for far too long where they held basketball back. Basketball has been in decline for the last 20 years. Since 2000, it's been on a steady decline the last 20 years. And finally, after a pandemic, they finally come to their witness to, to witness the things that, man, maybe the rules that the MHSAA has against basketball, maybe this isn't right. Maybe we need to change the rules. I've been said all along that MHSAA ain't never going to change. It might have taken a pandemic for them to change. So if that happens where the MHSAA changes their stance on basketball, I'm all for it. I'm all for it because if you can change your stance on football and allow them to continue to play because your son plays on a football team so he can win a state championship, well, you better do something for basketball or you're going to have a lot of people upset. And you're going to have the type of people upset that's going to take you to court. you got the type of people upset that's going to put your foot to the fire. So you better be ready for that. You better be ready to handle that conversation to say, you know what? Now we're having conversations with Governor Whitmer and things of that sort. And you'll comes out and say, well, we found out the same time that you did at, at 930 on a Friday. Well, that's a problem. You shouldn't find out about the rulings against contact sports in your state the same time that I do. You should already know that's coming down the line. You should already be in communication with Governor Whitmer. Okay, what date do you think that we might start? Is it the 21st? Is it the 14th? Is it the 7th? What's a reasonable date? Because in their mind, if their reasonable date was the 21st, well, you should have got on top of that before that came out. 
Should have got on top of it before it came out. And you said, you know what? We can't play to the 21st. But here's what we're going to do when the 21st begins. We're going to change our schedule. We're going to make basketball a spring for for one season. We're going to do that. So you shouldn't even be talking about Governor Wimmer. She ain't even, I put, just leave her out of the conversation because I'm going to give you my suggestions to how the, the, the season can continue. But before I give you my views, before I give you my opinion on how the game should, should go on forward, I want to say that I do support the student athletes standing up for something they believe in. If this is something that you believe in, coaches, if this is something that you believe in, student athletes, I support you. Now, am I going to be the one that's going to be the leader of the Let Us Play movement? No, I'm not. I'm not there yet. I want us to be safe while we play. So I'm not, the, I'm not the let us play movement guy. I'm not. If you listen to my last podcast, you know my take. I said they should have canceled the season two, two months ago and just let the kids play travel ball. But that was, just my, that was just my opinion. I'm on a different take right now. And the take that I'm at right now is I feel you. You got every right to be mad, coaches. You got every right to be mad, basketball players. Every right. I'm here with you. Yes, we should be playing because they're playing everywhere else. They're playing in Wisconsin, Indiana, Ohio, and they just started. They're going to start playing in Illinois. So, yeah, we should be playing, but it's got to be safe. So I always said that they should have had the rules and guidelines and plates months ago. They're just now trying to figure out how they're going to test 30,000 students three times a week. That's 900,000 tests. How you doing that? Who paying for them? Do the math. That's 90,000 tests per week at least. So how, how are you going to do They should have had that well in place, and they don't. So they're trying to figure out, okay, well, where are these 30,000, 40,000 student athletes, what they're going to do in these coaches when we do start playing? People don't test right, and they're not able to play because you have contact chasing and things of that sort. So here's what, what should happen. Here's what you should do. The person you need to be mad at is Mark Ewell president of the MHSAA. That's the guy you need to be mad at because we've been playing in behind for 20 years. Basketball hasn't been behind for 20 years. Has he been the president of the MHSAA for 20 years? No, he hasn't. Jack Roberts was. And Jack Roberts was behind the times. And the guy who comes in right behind him, behind the times. So now what are we going to do? You're going to have to adjust. You're going to have to change. You can't just pack up and go home. I said that on my podcast before. Maybe they should pack up and go home because they don't have a plan. Have a plan in place. Here's the kind of plan that you should have. MHSAA. I know somebody listening. Uh, I know the MHSAA follow me, but I know BCAM don't follow me. <laughs> That's not coincidence. Y'all listening? I know. So listen to this solution. Stop complaining to Governor Whitmer. That's the first thing. The second thing, adjust your schedule. Allow teams to play three or four games in a week. You can play three, but you can't play four. Allow teams to do that, where you can have a weekend tournament on a Saturday, Sunday, where you play multiple games. Shout out to Coach White for giving me that information and that little tidbit. That wasn't my idea. That was Coach White right there. I give respect to where it's due. Got it from him. So allow teams to play three or four games in a week. Start your season on the 21st. But guess what? Have communication with Governor Whitmer's office and say, okay, okay, Gov. For sure, we can start on the 21st, right? We can start contact sports on the 21st, right? Don't be trying to push us back no further because you got to be prepared for that. If you try to push us back further into March, there's no, we can't have a season in March. It has to start on the 21st. No, there's no end all. So if you want to have contact sports, if you're on board for us having contact sports, you have to let us start on the 21st. So have conversations with the office now 
for the next three weeks on how that's gonna happen. How you're gonna have your testing protocols gonna happen. How you're gonna have the schedule that's gonna happen to make it happen. So now you try to start your season and you don't even know when the season is supposed to start. So here's what you do. Allow teams to play three or four games in a week. If you start on the 21st, you can have a season all the way to the end of April. And you'll say, well, Coach Cam, uh, we haven't had any contact practices. Okay, well, if you if you need three or four contact practices that week of the 21st and start your games that Thursday, Friday and Saturday, you can still get your two or three games in that first week or one game. You don't have to start the first week. It's the first week you're allowed to start. That's the thing. You can start that next week, and you can load that week up with four games, and the next week load it up with four games. But here's what the MSSAA have to do. They have to change their rules. They're going to have to allow you to play games on the weekend, multiple, or maybe multiple games in one day. You're going to have to happen. You're going to have to change the rules if you want it to happen. So if you allow three or four games in a week, you can start the week of the 21st, and you can have a season all the way to April 30th. You can have your state championship April 29th and April 30th. That could be your state championship weekend. And that leaves AAU and travel ball for May, June, and July. Boom. There you go. There you go. And those students that play both, because you'll have some students that'll play both, they didn't play last spring or summer anyway. So they're not going to be eager to play travel basketball. You can tell by this Let Us Play movement, they are eager to play high school basketball. So since you're eager, since this is what you want, since this is what you're fighting for, you tell AAU to start in April. I'm sorry. You tell AAU to start in May. And you high school coaches need to put your foot down and have conversations and relationships with the AAU coaches and the travel ball coaches and say, look, our, our season is February, March, April. They'll see you in May. And May, May 1st, they're yours. But in April, I don't need them to be having tryouts for AAU. I don't need them to be traveling into some tournament in Fort Wayne in April. You can have May. It can all happen in May. Because they should be in enough shape and enough condition to where they've been playing basketball for the last eight months. It rolls right in the travel ball. You need another week, boom, you already rolling. Let's go. You don't need four weeks to prepare. Because they've been playing for eight weeks, eight, nine weeks. They've already been playing. So you don't need a whole lot of time for them to prepare for travel basketball. Okay, so tell them coaches, even if the EYBL brings out a schedule where they have one weekend in April, be like, look, Speedy, hey, look, my guy can't. I'm sorry, Courtney, my guy can't play this weekend. We're playing in the state championship. You think he's really going to take you to the EYBL? Some selfish coaches would. But if you develop a relationship, like I said last week, if you develop a relationship where you can say, you know what, coach, you're right. Good luck in the state championship. We'll play somebody else that weekend. Give somebody else some exposure. But for the 21s, it don't matter anyway because this is it. This is it. So they need film. They need a chance to get to get recruited. And the best recruiting happens in the spring anyway. It don't happen during the season. These coaches wouldn't come in the games or practices anyway. This allows them, I'm telling you, ain't a whole lot of things to do until travel basketball starts coming around for a lot of these college coaches. And if they're able to recruit, trust me, they can start coming to games. You might have more college coaches coming to your games if they start in March because their season will probably be winding down. So they have time to come to games and come to practices and see some of these seniors that they haven't seen before. You see a guy like Mac Mansell play and have 20 games as opposed to 12. Have a full season. If this is done, you can get 20 games in. You can get 20 games in. You can have regional and finals that first week in April. You can have your quarterfinals that third week in April. And you can have the fourth week in April. That would be your semifinals and your finals. Boom. Your season is done April 30th. 
And then on May 1st, they can start travel ball and everybody is happy. And you didn't got off a gut. We ain't even worried about the governor. But you have to make sure it can start on the 21st. That gives you another three weeks. Yeah, is it going to be a long three weeks? Yeah. But you know your season is starting on the 21st. But I'm going to tell you like this. I'm glad we ain't starting until the 21st because my team is going to be ready. We're going to be ready. We're going to have all our stuff in, all our shit. Trust me. I don't need a whole lot of time for a kid to get better, to improve. You give me four or five weeks and you want to put my team is on your schedule, I'll tell you like this. You better be ready come the 22nd. You best to be ready because we're going to be ready to rattle. We're going to be ready to battle. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't going to tell you where I'm at just yet. Some of y'all know, some of y'all don't. I'm going to tell you this yet. But trust and believe, we've been in the lab. This is lab. This is scary hours for me. That's why I ain't saying much. I'm like, yeah, y'all had that. Guess what? I'm going to sharpen my tools, and I'm going to get some guys ready. Because when that ball go up, and you see me on the sideline with a coach with a logo on, you see me with a logo on, you got a problem coming. And trust and believe, if they give us another three weeks and a season, whoo-wee, somebody got a problem. Don't give me three weeks. Don't do it. So those are just my suggestions. I know people are listening to this podcast because I can tell who follows me, who doesn't, and who actually, like, here's what I got to say. I know y'all listening. I know y'all listening. So stop stop worrying about what the governor said, and let's move forward. Let's have a plan. Let's start on the 21st. Let's start our season on the 21st. Let's play 20 games. Let's have our tournament. That is not for everybody that you have to win to get in. See the tournament. Be proactive. Stop doing the same stuff you've been doing for the last 20 years and then being mad why the Jaden Hardys of the world go and play in, in um, Nevada. Why the Wendell Greens of the world playing in Lala Muir. Them kind of guys should be here in Michigan playing, but you ain't changed the rules. So it's going to be up to the MSSAA to adjust and change for the future. And you already know what it is. It's your coach that knows who's the most. Have to give you my state of the union, what I think about what's going on, because I'm going to tell you like this. I want us to be safe, man. I want us to be safe. There was a football team that played in the state championship game. One of the players got COVID. One of the teachers at the school got COVID. Now, now what are we doing? We go back to playing. Teachers are going to, teachers and student athletes and coaches are going to get the virus. I want us to be safe. I had a coach hit me up on a DM on Twitter and say, coach, it's not worth it. I'm on a breathing machine in the hospital because I went to a basketball game. So I want us to be safe first. So quarantine, wear your mask, get tested, go to CVS, get a quick test. It took me five minutes to do it so we can be safe and have a season that everybody wants and everybody deserves. But it's your coach that knows who's the most. I'm going to holler at y'all, man. Peace. It's your coach.